We are back, and I am Dr. Dean, and you're listening to Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean. And it is 5 a.m. Los Angeles time, West Coast time, on January 14th, 2019. And it's been, I guess, uh, been to, yeah, it's going to be two weeks that I did my first podcast, which was more of just a six or seven minute introduction as to uh, what my goals are of this podcast. And I decided after talking with uh, quite a few friends of mine that have podcasts and some of the people that I've been on their podcast, uh, that I guess the only way to uh, possibly do something like this, at least in, in my eyes, the way I see it, is to spend the next half hour here uh, just talking about why would you want to listen to me? In other words, I don't know if I'd want to listen to somebody uh, on a podcast of, or any kind of um, broadcast if I, if I had no uh, background on the person, if I didn't know why, why am I listening to this person? So I decided that I would spend the next few episodes of Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean uh, basically of you guys getting a chance to get to know me. Why would I want to listen to this person? Why would I want to listen to Dr. Dean? What's, what's, the, what's the hook? What, why, why should I listen to anything this guy is saying? So I'm going to spend, I would say realistically, it's got to be two or three episodes, uh, basically uh, telling you stories about my, my life, my childhood, uh, and maybe somewhere in that story, or I guess it is a yeah one long story, uh, you'll be able to identify with me, and maybe you'll, maybe I might even help you uh, by telling a story about something in my life that something that relates to you, and you'll be like, oh wow, that, that's how he dealt with it. Oh wow, you know that kind of thing. So it's um. It's, it's a tough thing to sit here. It's a very narcissistic, very egotistic, egocentric kind of behavior to do a, a, a podcast all by yourself. Um, it's one thing, and I do plan on having in future episodes, I do I plan on having guests. I do plan on doing this podcast in remote locations, uh, hiking, canyons, uh, uh just, I really want to uh, expand on this, but I did, I wanted to be considerate to my audience and spend about 90 minutes, uh, maybe two hours of my life. My life has been a little bit um, unorthodox. It's uh, not your conventional life. I've definitely, uh, I've definitely had an interesting life. It doesn't mean I'd like to die tomorrow and I would be happy. Um, that I've accomplished everything. No, I still have quite a few things that I want to do, but I definitely, um, I definitely have not had your normal existence. And uh, so, after talking with some friends, uh, my one specific friend in this specific in this matter, uh, Darren Carter, and I do hope you listen to his podcast, which is the Pocket Party Podcast. Darren Carter is a uh, 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 headlining national touring headlining uh, stand-up comedian uh, and we've been friends from the comedy circuit now for I think Darren and I know each other probably about 17 years so we've um, 
I, I've spent, I think I've been on Darren's podcast uh, probably six times already. And I've also been on my friend Kevin Alderman's uh, podcast. You should look that one up too. That's called uh, Kevin Alderman uh, Off the Cuff. And that's a pretty good one that, uh, that I've been on, a, a, I think, twice or three times with Kevin. And he has some pretty interesting stories as well. We uh, are both East Coast guys and uh, seem to... Uh, get along uh, off of that um, uh, qualification. So that we're both from the East Coast and we seem to have certain things that have uh, commonality to us. So with that said, I did a lot of pondering over the last two weeks. uh, How would I get something like this off the ground? And like I said about a minute, minute and a half ago, I think the only way to do this is to... uh, to really just tell you tell you about me, uh, and it's all about me, 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 uh, which is totally not true. I want to get to know you, you people. I want you to feel free to send me messages. I want if it's a health related question, if it's uh, back related, spine related, headache related, ocular pain related, meaning pain behind the eyes, facial pain. Uh, I deal with a lot of different things. I am a chiropractor uh, by profession. I have uh, been doing that for 20 years now, and uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I've been very blessed uh, in the practice I have, and we'll get into all that stuff. We're going to get into all that stuff, but I want to develop a comfort level uh, with my listeners. Um, I want you to see me do my stand-up. I've been doing stand-up for 30 years. I took four years off to go to chiropractic school from 93 to 97, 1993 to 1997. For those of you millennials who don't know that there was something known as the 1900s. So this was 1993 to 97. So we're going to get into all this. I want to have that kind of rapport with with my audience. And uh, uh, feel free uh, for any kind of questions. Um, I practice in North Hollywood at Yoga Noho Studios, and uh, which is a yoga studio. The best thing I have done in my life was opening up in Yoga Noho uh, from a financial uh, business standpoint. Um, so we're going to get into a lot of stuff. I do want to uh, start by telling you a little bit about myself. My name is Dean Larrett, L-A-R-I-T, and I am born and raised in Flushing, Queens, New York. And um, I will hopefully be 55 years old. I cannot believe I'm saying those words right now. I, I just don't believe I am taking uh, I, I see those words f- coming out of my mouth and going uh, onto the uh, fictional cloud that's right in front of my face, and I just don't believe that that's what's coming out of my mouth, that I'm 55. I, uh, I still feel 16. I still feel 16, and uh, we'll get into uh, why I think my development stops at 16 or 17, um, but we'll get into all this stuff, but... First and foremost, I think it's just important that you get to have uh, some sort of barometer as to why would I identify with this person and why would I ever want to uh, tune into this. And, um, and I'm going to take you on a little journey. for I, It could be three hours. I don't know how long this is going to take to, to uh, 
to scratch the surface, but I do think we're going to, uh, we'll have an interesting ride. And, um, I think you'll get a kick out of, uh, some things. So, uh, like I said, Dean Larratt, originally from Queens, New York, born in 1964. Once again, to my millennials, there is something called 1964. Uh, but, um, originally from Queens and New York, as I have said now for the third time, and, um, born and raised by, uh, Ralph and Arlene. My father is Ralph. My mom is Arlene. Nothing gets by you folks. Uh, I'm sure you could not have figured that one out if I did not tell you which, uh, which is my mom and which is my dad. And, um, I have a brother, Scott, and, uh, who's a chiropractor in Delray, Florida. And we, uh, we grew up uh, pretty, pretty humble in a, a two-bedroom apartment. It's amazing. You think about it. How did I do this? How did, I, how did we grow up four people, uh, three males and one female? How did we grow up in a two-bedroom apartment? Uh, it, it's just amazing. With one bathroom. And it was a different time back then, 1960, late 60s, early 70s was a different time. And um, I grew up, I'll tell you a little bit about my parents. My mom uh, was in, uh, worked for an import-exporter and also had a, uh, uh, a business of her own later on in life. Uh, I guess it would be later on in life, I guess late 70s or something, uh, no, probably 80s. Uh, she had a knitting store. My mom was uh, a very good knitter and uh, uh, made uh, uh, very expensive um, sweaters. Uh, of course, uh, none for me or my brother, but uh, that's another story. Um, but we had, uh, so that was my mom. Uh, she had a store called Knits Incredible in Long Island, and uh, she worked with my grandmother. And we grew up in that typical kind of um, uh, area in Queens where I lived across the street from my Aunt Deli and Uncle Harvey, and I lived around the corner from my grandmother and grandfather on my mother's side. My mom's mom and my mom's father were around the corner. So that's that's the kind of uh, setup it was. That was the typical thing in Queens. You, you, you might have come from somewhere else. Your relatives might have come from Bronx or Brooklyn or uh, I guess it would be mostly Bronx or Brooklyn. Uh, but somehow everybody seemed to, if they settled in Queens, they tend, they tend to uh, live in a uh, uh, stone's throw uh, from each other. And um, that was an interesting aspect uh, of my childhood, uh, being so close to everybody. And uh, uh, that would sort of come in down the road. It would play, play a slightly significant uh, role to me in having uh, family so close uh, to one another. So uh, my dad, um, and my parents are still alive, and they're in uh, uh, Boca Raton, Florida these days. And um, my dad uh, was an interesting character, uh, still alive, and, but I still say was an interesting character. Um, my father grew up 
My father's born in 1930. He is 88 years old right now. And uh, he's still, he's still, still doing it. Still, you know, still, still doing it. I don't know what he's doing, but he's still doing it. And um, uh, he's an interesting guy. He, uh, my father was in the coffee business, uh, but he had an interesting childhood. My father grew up uh, during the time period where um, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano were running the crime uh, organization uh, of Murder Incorporated. Uh, and he grew up in that Lower East Side, um, Delancey Street uh, of Manhattan kind of uh, area, where he, I always tell people, for lack of a better uh, way of phrasing it, if you've ever seen the movie Goodfellas, my father was sort of like the childhood uh, he, well, the, the, the version of Henry Hill, when Henry Hill in the beginning of Goodfellas is parking cars for the, for the mob, uh, my father would do favors, uh, for some of those guys as a young boy, as a young kid. And, uh, so we had a, we had an, I had an interesting, uh, interesting father who, uh, definitely grew up on the streets, uh, in the Lower East Side and, um, was exposed to a lot of uh, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of a lot of bad people, um, who of course uh, were feared, respected, and revered uh, by people in the neighborhood, uh, but mostly out of fear. And uh, that's how my father grew up, and he ended up getting into. My father had uh, really great looks, great-looking guy, looked a lot like Paul Newman, and uh, he. Ended up uh, when he came out of the uh, when he came out of the um, the uh, Korean War, uh, I think that's what it was. Yeah, the Korean War came out as a young kid, twenty one, twenty two years old. Uh, he had the opportunity to get involved with the beginning of Las Vegas through Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky and all these crazy names uh, in the history world of organized crime. Uh, they had uh, sort of approached my grandmother uh, on my father's side uh, asking if uh, my father would like to come out to Vegas and maybe be a pit boss in Las Vegas at the, would literally be the Flamingo Hotel. And uh, he turned uh, that down out of uh, fear. <laughs> out of fear. If you're you know, if you're a quarter short at the end of the night back then, uh, you don't know if you're going to ever make it uh, to work the next day. So with working for those guys back then. And um, so that was, uh, he ended up getting into the, uh, becoming a salesman. My father, my father's mother did not want him associating. She knew those guys and uh, she did not want him associating with them, even though they offered to bring him out to Las Vegas and become a pit boss. This is like uh, 1950 and 52, whenever the Flamingo Hotel uh, became the first hotel in Las Vegas. And uh, so he ended up becoming a, uh, a working man. He ended up becoming a uh, salesman. And he got into the coffee industry. And he uh, sold coffee uh, for many years. And I think he was in the, in the coffee business, got to be, got to be 35, 40 years, and 
Also, uh, my father uh, worked at the track. My father worked at Belmont Racetrack and Aqueduct Racetrack. Uh, uh, I have vivid memories being uh, a young boy, eight, nine years old, and hanging out at the racetrack. So, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous when I think about these things, being eight, nine, ten years old, and, and there with my, my five-year-older brother than me uh, at the track, Belmont or Aqueduct, uh, spending, uh, spending the day with my father. And um, I just think about it now, and it's just, just uh, amazing that <laughs> that's what my childhood was. Uh, so... Uh, very interesting. And so he was in that business for a while and uh, for, I guess, most of his life, I would say. And uh, I, I saw, I used to look, you know, like in his eyes, like there had to be other dreams for this guy. He was a very good looking guy and he was, uh, he, he, he probably could have made it as an actor. He probably could have made it as an actor. My father, um, uh, uh, did a lot of stuff at the Henry Street Settlement House, which a lot of people have no idea what that is, but that's where people like Shelley Winters and, and uh, comedian Jackie Mason uh, started and honed their craft. And um, he, uh, I guess he just just figured I got to make a living and I got to get a job and didn't want to, uh, didn't want to take a shot on uh, potentially using his uh, his looks back then uh, for Hollywood or even for easier than Hollywood without traveling, I guess even, you know, New York, working uh, as an actor in New York back then. But he chose, uh, he chose to go out and get a job and uh, get married. And, um, and you know, uh, I definitely think it, it took its toll as the years went by. I think my father worked, I think my father worked six days a week, uh, getting up in the morning. I used to wake up in the morning. Uh, my bed and my brother's bed were about four feet apart. And in between our bed was my father waking up, uh, whatever, 6.30, 6.45 in the morning, whatever it was, uh, doing push-ups in the, in, the, um, in my uh, bedroom. So, um, it was that typical Queens mentality growing up, waking up in the morning, going to make a buck and get a paycheck at the end of the week. And, uh, uh, I, I think it took its toll on me. I think I, I, I recall, I recall a day where, we used to, every once in a while, we would uh, either pick up my father at the express bus or we would drop him off at the express bus. Now, the express bus is uh, in Queens. That's a, uh, uh, like a, a station where you would drop somebody off or pick them up. Um, and that bus would take you into Manhattan. And uh, I just remember vividly uh, being in the car with my mother and seeing... All these men, remember this is like 1972, 73, excuse me, seeing all these men wearing a, uh, a hat and had a newspaper tucked under their arm or they'd be reading the newspaper and a suit and tie. And I would, I asked my mother once, I said, you know, why are they all dressed the same? Uh, what's, why are they all dressed in that outfit? 
I was such a young kid. And she said, well, they're, you know, they're going to work, uh, sort of the way, you know, daddy dresses every once in a while, my mom referring to my father as daddy. Um, so I, uh, I just, I drew, something drew me to that experience of, I remember saying something to her like, ooh, I don't know if I'd want to be like everybody else. They all seem to look the same. And... It's funny because I ended up taking that, that road exactly the opposite. In other words, I, I stuck to my guns that I didn't want to do that, and I, did, and I ended up becoming that person, uh, a person that would never, ever wear a suit and tie, going to work. Um, we'll get back to me in a second, but I, I just remember distinctly seeing that and... Um, and feeling, well, I don't know if I want that kind of a life where I wear a hat and a suit and tie and go to work with a newspaper under my uh, under my arm, and in my left hand is an attaché case with a tuna fish sandwich on uh, Wonder Bread uh, and lettuce and tomato um, with maybe a bag of uh, of Lay's potato chips or whatever they had back then, I just didn't, I, I don't know if I, 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 something clued me into not wanting to live that kind of a life, and uh, I stayed with that, with that prophecy uh, my whole life, um, so I, 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 I looked at a lot at my father as a kid, and he, I, I think I saw um, how some, how some aspects of life, I think, you know, beat him down to a certain thing. Um, and I, I just knew I didn't, I didn't want to be that way. Um, so I, I, let's take it, so you know a little bit about my mother, my father. Uh, all this time, by the way, my mother is working uh, for an import-export firm in Great Neck, Long Island. And uh, until the TV show That's Incredible comes along with uh, John Davidson as the host, and my mother decided to open up, and that became a huge hit on ABC. And then my mother decided to open up a, um, a knitting store called uh, Knits Incredible. So uh, I figured, so I, well, let me tell you a little bit. So I go to, I go to school, uh, PS 177 on 188th Street in uh, Fresh Meadows, Queens. And um, I... I guess that makes me about, eh, once you get into third, fourth grade, I guess you're about nine or ten years old. And I, I had such a dysfunctional childhood in the fact that I never went to sleep at a normal time. Um, my mother, when I was about eight, nine years old, I was allowed to watch Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, the the whole time uh i would be watching johnny carson as a as an 8 9 year old child and i would go into school third fourth grade uh back then i guess this is 1974 73 i would go into into uh school the next day and i had this ability where i could sort of mimic johnny carson and uh I would, and, and the students, the, the kids in my class, my classmates, nobody knew who the hell I was, who I was imitating because all these kids were sleeping by nine o'clock at night. 
uh, 8.30. You know, when you're 8, 9 years old, you're going to bed about 8.30, 9 o'clock. I was going to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> okay? Because back then, Johnny Carson went from 11.30 to 1, but my mother wasn't the greatest sleeper on the planet, and uh, and I, I guess I followed suit, and I, I had trouble sleeping, you know, uh, at a normal hour. I didn't go to bed at 8, 9 o'clock at night. I was watching Johnny Carson, and I developed a keen sense for mimicking. I would come in and, you know, uh, you know, say, uh, uh, my next guest is uh, one of the fun, one of the funniest comedians out there right now, and, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Don Rickles. And I would do, you know, Johnny Carson, and the teachers knew who I was doing, and they probably wondered what the hell's going on in this kid's household, like. What are they doing to this kid? They're not. They're, this kid's in, is watching Carson. He, he's eight years old, nine years old. Um, but the kids didn't know. But I, I developed a very keen sense for mimic, uh, to mimic people and to um, do impressions, and that eventually. Let me take a sip of, of tea right here. That eventually would lead to my mother and father having to come up to school to meet with the principal, I would say two to three times a year, uh, because I became a little bit of a class clown. And um, I was, uh, I, I started developing some great skills as a mimic, and uh, I don't want to say comedian, that would come later on. Uh, but uh, I definitely was living a little bit of a dysfunctional life. And it's really interesting because I recently read, excuse me, I recently read Bruce Springsteen's autobiography. I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, as you people will find out uh, along the way. Um, I've seen him about 60 times, and I've hung with him three or four times. uh, Three times, three times I've hung with Bruce. Uh, But the... Um, it's interesting because in his biography, he talks about the same thing about, uh, staying up late with his grandmother. Bruce spent a lot of time living with his grandmother, uh, because they also lived in the same kind of setup. Uh, they lived in, he grew up in Freehold, New Jersey. And he also, in his book said, you know, my aunt was across the street. My grandparents were a block and a half down the street. Uh, this, my second cousin was, uh, three doors down. My first cousin was six doors down. It was one of those things. And, um, he spent some time with his grandmother and they would also stay up. Bruce was literally staying up till two, three in the morning. And, uh, uh, figuring out a way to, uh, get up in the morning to go to, go to school. But, uh, it's interesting when you, when you read something and you go, oh, wow, somebody else lived that kind of, a uh, of a life as a child, but it would end up, uh, um, bringing my mother and father into school to, uh, meet with the principal a few times, uh, in every single school I've been to in every single school. So that stuff kind of happened. I became very influenced by comedy as a young a, a young boy, uh, eight, nine years old, watching Carson and uh, Don Rickles would come on and um, uh, all sorts of comics. All sorts of comics were getting introduced, Rickles and uh, even back then, uh, you know, you, the, Bill Cosby would be on. Um, just uh, George Carlin, uh, Richard Pryor, 
uh, there'd be a lot of comics. I'll have to do some research and find out some of the comics in the 70s. Uh, Freddie Prinze, uh, who unfortunately uh, uh, didn't live a very long life and was uh, uh, killed himself at 22 uh, from, I, who knows, the success of being mega, mega famous at such a young age. Um, but I saw them all on Carson because I had this this mother that would allow me to <laughs> watch television. My mother would be taking off her makeup from the night, and of which she would end up putting on uh, seven hours later to go to work the next day. Uh, and she needed Carson as a nightlight uh, to... Um, to do any uh, stuff that she wanted to do in the bathroom, and uh, my room was next to the bathroom, so mine and my brother's room was next to the bathroom, so uh, uh, she would peek her head in while I was watching uh, Johnny Carson, and uh, like I said, it it ended up uh, uh, causing causing problems that would end up bringing them to the school. So uh, we go to Ryan Junior High School, which was about... Uh, about a mile away from uh, from the uh, my first uh, public school, and uh, Ryan Junior High School was pretty non-eventful for me. Um, pretty much, pretty non-eventful. Uh, I'm thinking about it now as we, as as I speak to you guys and and gals. Uh, I it was pretty non-eventful. Uh, junior high, I think, was a pretty non-eventful kind of thing. I guess that makes you 13, 14, 15, if I remember correctly. And played a lot of hoops, a lot of hoops. I was a, uh, I was a, no, no, no BS. I was a very, very good basketball player growing up. I took to basketball at around eight, nine, about nine, ten years old. And, um, became a very, very good basketball player uh it was uh i wanted to be i wanted to be uh the next julius irving i was fascinated fascinated with julius irving and uh uh we used to go to the basketball games my father's clients in the coffee world uh since my father sold coffee to all the restaurants and uh in manhattan and all over uh, the five boroughs uh, we would get tickets to the uh, to the games, and I I was crazy about Julius Irving when he played for the New York Nets at the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, and we'd go to the games, um, and uh, that was uh, that was uh, where I uh, wanted to be, Julius Irving. I I I, uh, I spent so many days in the in the uh, in the park, uh, playing ball and, uh, ended up becoming a pretty good, uh, pretty good basketball player. Uh, we'll get further into all that stuff, uh, down the road, but, um, played a lot of hoops back then. I guess, uh, like I said, I guess that makes me 13, 14, and 15. Um, and around this time I ended up, let's see, this is so much to talk about. I didn't. I, you know, it's amazing. I planned this. Uh, this um, podcast, this second episode podcast, uh, in a very uh, sort of in a chronological order, and I think, I think I, I, I've done it in a, in a way where I, I'm not going to lose you guys so quickly. Uh, yeah, there's certain things that um 
that I witnessed. Uh, I, I, I guess I can go back and tell some, certain things, but um, I, well, there. Well, let's see how I want to do this. I could. I'll tell you certain things that occurred in my childhood that um, maybe down the road will help some of you in some way, shape, or form. Um, I I should back it up a little bit and say that uh, that I have spoken about this on Darren Carter's podcast um, on a few of his episodes that we've spoken about trauma and certain things. Uh, my house was very dysfunctional. I'm gonna I'm gonna back this up a little. I'm gonna back this up a little bit. Uh, the house was very dysfunctional, and the reason I'm backing this up will actually help later on in episodes um, to understand certain behaviors and all this other stuff. But I, I, uh, the house was definitely very dysfunctional, not so much just because I was able to watch Carson as a young boy, but it was very dysfunctional. Uh, my father had a very, very bad temper, and that was from growing up with literally murderers and uh, I don't know how many other, how many ways to say it. Uh, yeah, murderers in his neighborhood. I mean, hence the term murder incorporated. So uh, he just uh, had a very bad temper. And I guess uh, one of the things that would leave an indelible mark on me, I still have this, this visual where I, I can see my father. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, we've discussed this and I've discussed it uh, on Darren's podcast, I can see my father right now putting a uh, a knife to my mother's throat one night, um, and uh, that's that's a crazy story. Uh, I, I remember a day where my father came. That well, well, we can get to that in a second. The um, the origin of that story about the knife was my. Father, well, that's right, it was the Academy Awards. I was about four years old, about 1968, and the Academy Awards were on. And my mother and father, we had the rabbit ears uh, uh, back then on the television. And my mother was giving my father a hard time saying, uh, what's the matter, you can't get the reception in? What's what's wrong with you? How come you can't get the reception in? And blah, blah, blah. My mom, my father's like... I'm trying. I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to fix it. Something was wrong with the television in the living room. Remember, this is 1968. And for some reason, the next thing you know, they're fighting. And she's, I guess, I guess she's probably, you know, uh, you know, needling him a little bit, testing him a little bit, uh, antagonizing him a little. I'm a little bit. I, I, I'm sure there was some of that. Uh, and next thing you know, he comes out with a big knife, and he puts it to her throat. And um, and I just remember getting in between my mother and father. I was all of four years old and crying, you know, don't do anything, don't hurt mommy, don't do it. You know, that, it was just ridiculous. And so there was a lot of craziness that went on in the household. And those crazy experiences would end up forming my personality, Um uh, and maybe even making me a funny person because I saw a lot of um, maybe I don't want to say tragic, but maybe tr- maybe the word would be traumatizing events in my house, and I had to take the trauma and twist it and make it com- comical. Uh, I think that would be the best possible way to uh, to uh, um, 
figure out some of my uh, shortcomings or even some of my uh, advantages in life uh, that I now possess, that I might possess these days. So slightly dysfunctional. And then there was a, there's a classic story. Uh, My father used to like to come home uh, and watch the news for a half hour. Back then the news, you know, only came on at like six o'clock and 11 o'clock. You didn't have news all day. And uh, we would, uh, my father would come home from a long day and lay down for a half hour, and then 6.30 we would eat dinner. Uh, and it was very, relatively rare that we all ate together. I became one of these people that would eat in my bed. I, till this day, I still eat in my bed. I still, I still eat in my bed. Uh, I eat almost every meal in my bed. Um, and it's just one of those things we just had as such a dysfunctional family. We didn't necessarily always sit down to the table, but once in a while we did. But it was relatively rare. Um, uh, so we, uh, so this is true. My So now my father gets at My mother says, eh, come on, guys, everybody, you know, come to the table. And she was making spaghetti and meatballs. I love this story because it's, it's just so amazing. And uh, my father gets to the table, me and my brother are sitting across from each other. And I take a few bites of the pasta, spaghetti and meatballs, ranzoni pasta back then. And um, spaghetti and meatballs and with nice sauce, and uh, which I could go for right now, obviously, or actually. And we, uh, my father, uh, I take a bite. Yeah, not bad. Everything's pretty cool. And my father takes a bite, and he looks and he, at my mother, and he goes, this is what you brought me in here for? This is, this is freezing cold. And my father scoops up the bowl, places his palm underneath the bottom of the bowl, and he literally launches it at not so much my mother, but the wall of the kitchen. And remember, it has tomato sauce all over the bowl, in the bowl. Uh, yeah, on top of the pasta, and everything goes. It, it was literally like like somebody blew somebody's brains out. That's that's what the kitchen looked like. Like somebody's brains were were, were sprawled all over. It was literally pasta. <laughs> I laugh at this now, at what was going on in my house. Um, it nothing. None of my friends had this. None of my friends had anything like this going on in their house. Um. It was literally pasta all over the entire kitchen with meatballs, remnant, remnants of meatballs all over the kitchen. But, but, but the sauce is what killed the entire uh, uh, kitchen, uh, the, the wallpaper and everything. That's what destroyed everything. And I'll never forget it. My mother just, after he launches it, my mother literally just doesn't even flinch, doesn't even flinch. She goes, okay. Um, you're going to clean that up. I'm going to go out for a walk now and you're going to clean that up. And if that's not completely clean by the time I get out, uh, I'm taking the kids and, uh, we're done. And, um, (laughs) it was just ridiculous. I still have this, I still have this vision of looking out the window. We lived on the second floor, uh, of a, of a, what they call garden apartments, one and one floor, first and second floor. And I still have this vision of seeing my mother walking in a in a in a nightcoat or whatever they call that a nightgown. Uh, 
it was so crazy what was going on. And I think this is where why I ended up be, having comedic thoughts and all that, because I do think I spent a lot of time traumatized. Um, so I developed, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to lay that out for you people uh, who have had uh, traumatizing events in your in your home. Uh, there are ways of, of, of twisting it and making it, uh, uh, making making it comedic or uh, or lessening the pain that somebody might be going through, but uh, I just wanted to lay lay it out a little bit. That um, and then there was, you know, uh, I should say that my brother and I, uh, I used to actually get hit with a we used to get hit with a dog's leash. Uh, we had two dogs. I, I by the way, I forgot to tell you, uh, we had two dogs, um, Erica and Gretchen. They were mother and daughter, uh, vicious schnauzers. schnauzers vicious miniature schnauzers and um who later on in life when i started smoking pot at around 15 uh the only way my friends could come over the house was i would have to get the dogs stoned and uh and then my friends could get into the house uh where i lived uh, otherwise it was uh, they were they were vicious um so uh going backwards now i'm going to be flipping back and forth but for the most part, I'll start to take a turn where everything goes in a chronological order. But little things are just popping into my head right now. And um, that's what's causing these uh, sort of flashback things. So I'll try to limit that as much as I possibly can. But all of a sudden, something comes up and I go, ooh, I should tell them about that. Uh, obviously, certain things I, you know, I don't want to discuss. I mean, not everybody, even in Springsteen's... Uh, autobiography, he said, uh, I want to be as candid with my audience as possible, uh, and transparent as possible, but obviously there are certain things that stay in the vault and, uh, uh, stay amongst the family or the family vault or whatever. But for the most part, uh, I'm pretty much laying it out there to you, um, that it was, uh, not father knows best in my house. Uh, it was definitely not that. And, uh, you know, uh, certain things I wish, uh, um, I, I wish my parents allowed me to, uh, uh, to play organized ball. I wasn't able to really do that till I was 16, um, organized basketball. Uh, I wanted to listen to this. I wanted to go take jujitsu, which is now the biggest thing on the planet. I wanted to take jujitsu on in, on Fresh Metal Lane, they opened up a jiu-jitsu place. I was probably, seriously, I was about eight, nine years old. And, um, and of course, we didn't have the money. We went to see the, uh, the studio. We spoke to the, uh, to the uh, head instructor. And, of course, you know, once my father heard uh, how much it was going to be monthly, uh, it, uh, you know, it didn't occur. So I could have been studying jiu-jitsu since uh, uh, I would have been about probably like a 200-degree black belt by now in jiu-jitsu, but uh, that didn't happen. And I would have loved to have gotten piano lessons or, or something uh, like some of my friends were getting, but we just didn't. Uh, that was just something that wasn't offered uh, in my household. Uh, instead, my parents chose to take that money and go traveling to Europe uh, without us. So... <laughs> Can you hear the anger in my uh, voice? Uh, but I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. And I, and I 
six years ago, decided to teach myself piano uh, by myself. Uh, thank God for YouTube. So getting back, uh, we've discussed that the house was very dysfunctional. Um, uh, uh, no two ways about that. Um, extremely dysfunctional household. Uh, and we laugh about it now, my mother and father. We laugh about it. And a lot of the stuff my father, my mother has apologized about and my father has apologized. But uh, so, you know, it's all cool. And, you know, after a while, you just got to, you know, uh, move on and and uh, take some accountability for your own shit and all that stuff. So, um, so now we get to junior high. Like I said, public school was basically me um, developing a voice. Uh, developing some sort of voice. I don't know why. I guess something in my house was not working correctly for me that I needed to develop that voice that was going to make me uh, make me um, feel heard. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But something uh, led me to want to go the... Uh, to get to get attention, to be loved, to be adored, whatever it is, whatever I who knows where these psychological things come in, but they were there, and um, and uh, I'm guilty of it. There, they were there. So uh, we spoke basically about. Uh, I'm going to be wrapping this episode up pretty soon, and we're going to start uh, another one next week, uh, and we'll take you further so that you get to know why you are listening to uh, Dr. Dean uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but like I'm saying, uh, I go to junior high, Ryan Junior High School, George J. Ryan Junior High School, uh, where basically my basketball skills were um, developing. Um, became a pretty good basketball player. had insane jumping ability. I was dunking by about age 15, uh, but I should, yeah, yeah, about 15. I was starting to dunk by about ninth grade. I had incredible jumping ability for a white man. Probably had somewhere between a, probably had about a 32 to 40, 43, 44 inch vertical leap. I was, I, uh, I, uh, I was skinny kid, very skinny kid. I was uh, all of about 145 pounds. Uh, <laughs> um, at I guess. Back then, probably about five eleven or something. Uh, so I, you know, I had no weight going up in the air. I was uh, able to defy a lot of laws of gravity um, when I had when you have no weight. We used to take baby powder when I was learning my getting into basketball heavily. I used to take baby powder and uh, put it on your hand, and I was able to uh, put my hand about yeah about two and a half inches, three inches below the top of the tape of the square above the rim, like the, when you're going to uh, shoot a bank shot or something, that square that's above the rim, I was able to get about two and a half to three inches below the top portion of the tape. That's how crazy my uh, jumping ability was uh, back then. So um, I played a lot of hoop. Really enjoyed all that, and uh, that was where I started to develop uh, the skills. I would say about uh, uh, 10, 11, 12. And uh, uh, I'm going to pretty much leave this episode off right about there because it starts to get interesting uh, in uh, part three. Uh, I'm just laying some groundwork for you. Uh, 
just want to think. Yeah, I discussed having a dysfunctional family. Uh, that's pretty much uh, pretty much it for today, I believe. I think we're going to wrap that up, uh, and then we'll take you through the high school years, and we'll get into all that stuff, and then we're going to get into college, and then we're going to get into moving into Manhattan. And we got so much stuff to talk about. Um, and uh, let's finish up talking um, about the NFL today. Today was some really interesting games. I should say yesterday. This was an interesting weekend for football. Those of you who like football, I am a football fan. We'll get into, down the road, we're going to get into degenerate gambling uh, that I was into for years. And uh, we're going to have a, a lot to talk about. And um, and I apologize. Uh, this is officially my first long podcast. And I apologize if I flip back and forth. Like I said, sometimes things come at you and you go, oh, I got to discuss that. But I, uh, if I think of anything else, um, I'll, uh, I guess the only thing I would want to say is I was pretty close with my aunt and uncle, still am. My, that was my mother's sister, uh, Deli, and her husband, Harvey, my uncle Harvey. He was a cop uh, in the police force uh, in the neighborhood um, where I grew up. And uh, so we said that, and then we spoke about my grandmother and, uh, my grandmother and grandfather, which was Renee and, and Bernie. And they're both gone now, and, um, but I was very close with them, and... Uh, that will come into play a little bit later on. Uh, I was very close with uh, with my grandfather and my uh, grandmother. And um, that's really about it for today. But getting back to football, we had an interesting week in football. Uh, so the Patriots will be going to Kansas City. Uh, I personally think that the Patriots are going to be, that this is going to be a tough game, but I ha but if the Patriots play in Kansas City the way they played this, the L.A. Chargers today, uh, I haven't seen the Patriots look this good in, in a couple of years, believe it or not. Uh, I, I just, it was just unbelievable to watch. Um, the New Orleans Saints knocked off the Philadelphia Eagles today, and they will be playing the uh, Los Angeles Rams We'll be traveling to New Orleans, playing in the Dome. And those are the final two games uh, that exist. And then we have the Super Bowl, February 3rd, in Atlanta. So uh, I'm a sports guy. Uh, not as much basketball as I used to. Um, tend to get into basketball maybe during the, uh, during the playoffs. But uh, should be... Uh, should be an interesting last three games. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun, and I uh, love this time of year. It's always cool to wake up on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning and watch these playoffs and lie in bed uh, and just, you know, eat, you know, some oatmeal, some eggs or something like that. It's always really a lot of fun to watch uh, football, and I did that today. So I'm going to leave you with that, and I'll review this, uh, this episode, which will be able to uh, carry me over to the next one. And I'm going to try and make them once a week, once every uh, 10 days. Um, and I should tell you that I'll be performing, uh, I'll be opening up for Darren Carter at Flappers Comedy Club February 15th and 16th. Uh, and that is uh, Friday and Saturday night. Come on down. That's in Burbank, California. 
really good comedy club. This club has grown. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's been there. I mean, every everybody's come through there at one point or another. It's just been the 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 um, growth of this club and uh, exposure of this club in the last couple of years is just uh, phenomenal. So I'll be there. That's Flappers Comedy Club. I'll be there hopefully before, do a couple of sets beforehand. Um, that's February 15th and 16th in Burbank. And uh, Darren just called me up today, uh, tonight telling me that it looks like I'll be working on February 13th, right? February 13th, I think is a Wednesday, yeah. Uh, and that will be at the Canyon Club in uh, uh, beautiful Valencia, California. And they are not too far from Magic Mountain uh, Parkway. So that's it for now. And um, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And like I said, I apologize if, if some of you are sitting there going, what the hell do I give a shit about this, uh, you know, this guy's childhood or this. Or I got my own problems. I got my own stuff. I'm just trying to formulate uh, as to some sort of chronology as to why you might be interested uh, in taking this journey with me uh, down the road, uh, why you might be interested in seeing this guy stand up down the road. Um, so I promise you the stories get pretty interesting and they definitely get a little interesting. Uh, uh, and I might go back. I might start up a couple of things. There's some things that are coming into my head right now, but I don't want to get into. And I think I'll, I'll probably discuss a couple of public school plays and a couple of things that I did. Uh, in which I started to get the the bug. I started to I started to feel like, oh, this is interesting. Making people laugh or getting some sort of attention, and we'll get to all that stuff. And uh, I do f- look forward to hearing any comments. I'm at Dr. Dean D R D E A N one two five at Instagram. That's D R D E A N one two five at Instagram. Follow me. I like to do some funny shit on. Uh, on uh, on Instagram, Darren and I do some funny stuff, and I have been doing my own Insta stories and Instagram videos. Uh, and I don't know what my goal is. I don't know what my goals are anymore. Um, you know, I had different goals years ago uh, when I first got out here, uh, 29 years ago. But, uh, you know, I just don't know what I'm, what it is that I'm really looking for right now, but I'm... I'm letting the universe decide that for me. So uh, feel free to question me, anything. And um, and even though we haven't gotten to the chiropractic stuff and uh, you have a question about health or something that's bothering you and you happen to be in the Los Angeles area or going to be in the Los Angeles area and you're having a problem with something, feel free. Go look at my Yelp reviews. I'm one of the highest rated uh, chiropractors in Los Angeles or on Yelp, uh, Dean Larratt, D.C., D-E-A-N, second name, Larratt, L-A-R-I-T, and uh, go check me out, uh, and I'll gladly answer any questions if you uh, DM me on uh, on Instagram. All right, thank you so much, and uh, you'll be hearing uh, part, let's just call this part two. Uh, I don't consider the first introduction, uh, six-minute introduction thing uh, as part one, but you'll be hearing some... Uh, it starts to get interesting when I get into uh, high school, and uh, it's going to get real interesting when we start talking about drugs. What'd you say? I said drugs. It's going to get interesting, uh, that phase, as a uh, 15, 16-year-old uh, kid. All righty. Thank you so much, 
And uh, this has been Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean.